Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Dwight Moody. Do you guys know who D.L. Moody is? You know, uh, he was 1855, all right? This, he's in the 1800s. This guy gets saved at Sunday school. Someone reaches out to him in Sunday school. They say that he, after he gets saved, and he was one of the most unruly of kids. I mean, bad. Bad kid. And he gets saved, and then he turns around right away and starts sharing his faith. They believe he shared his faith with and led over a million people to Jesus. Started Moody Bible College, okay? This guy's a world changer. So there's a guy, you don't know who you're ministering to. You don't know who's in the youth ministry right now. This guy, he uh, was in a youth ministry, grew up through a Bible school and all this, and uh, he gets an idea as a young man to start Integrity Online. So the, one of the first uh, internet software programs that uh, filtered just trash on the internet, became one of the largest internet providers, then launched a satellite, two satellites, um, and networked Fiji, the entire country of Fiji, has internet because of this individual, plus another country in Congo. And then they took that technology and downsized it during Hurricane Katrina and created internet for, uh, that was wireless because all the systems were broke down. So they, everybody had communications. Then he became an executive pastor at a church. And then he just recently became the CIO of the seed company. This organization uh, is the largest world tr- Bible translation organization in the world. In fact, all the other translation organizations report to that, that company. He's the CIO, chief information officer. He built an app just recently, uh, that was a half a million dollar app that's called Source View. In fact, it helps you see the Bible through relationships. It's totally different. You should download this app, all right? And, and it shows it through the seven mountain strategies, which we're teaching on right now. It's how do you see it through a different lens and you read the Bible for relationship. Do you know where this guy went to school? Habit Loop Community Church. His name is Sean Ring. You might know who he is. He's a freak. He's a freak. The favor of God is on this guy like there's no tomorrow. And he just grew up in the youth ministry like Rachel Rue. Like, like Joni Tanner. Like, I mean, there's so many people that just grew up through this youth ministry that this church, who are you ministering to? You don't know. The seeds, the influence that you're putting in the ground, we have no clue how big it could be and what, what world changers could be there. So when we're greeting and we're meeting and we're helping and we're sowing in the young people in this world, we're expanding our sphere of influence. In fact, we're preparing ourselves for promotion, which is what we're gonna be talking about today, is preparing your life for promotion. So we talked about your position with destiny, right? Pastor Lee taught that message that you have a divine position and God put you in a certain place and time for that, for a purpose. And it's to change the world. And the last week we were talking about that, that, that we all are destined or shaped for a lifestyle of revelation. So wherever he puts us, we're designed to then bring the revelation of God into that space. Today we're talking about how God wants to pour out his favor on each one of us and he wants to promote us and cause our influence to expand in radical ways. And guess what? So he can get the glory. Isn't that beautiful? All right, so we're reading in the book of Daniel today. We're in chapter five, I think. I'm at the end of my message here in my notes. 
Uh, no, but we're gonna first start, I wanna read this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says this, but whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. Okay, he, he poured out his favor on him and it did something. Amen? God, do something. I don't know if you're getting the subliminal message there. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. Just set on this for one second, and I want this, just the framework of this whole message to just be just, just set up with this. Is there is always in the kingdom, there's a tension between the spirit and the flesh. There's a partnership with your spirit and the flesh all the time. So like Lee talked about being in the world but not of the world, like you still have a human body. You're in this planet. And God is doing something supernatural through your body. And what you choose with your mind, will, emotions to do with your body affects the impact of what happens supernaturally through your life. So there's this tension between working hard and yielding to the grace of God moving through our life all the time. This is why I'm, I'm convinced, this is one of the reasons why God does this, the gift of tongues for prayer, because it is so weird. And it's this exact partnership of the flesh and the supernatural where I'm pressing in with my flesh, but at the same time yielding to the spirit, and it's not I that prays, but the spirit that prays through me. Right? I mean, it's exactly, and this is a microcosm. One little time that you're praying in tongues is a microcosm of, of macrocosms in the kingdom. Everything works on this principle all the time. He's doing it through his church, and he chose that you would be the temple, not a physical thing. So you're the temple of God, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So there's this partnership between your flesh, the temple, and the Holy Ghost moving through the temple. So it's work and yielding. Knowing who's boss and who needs to go to work right? Everywhere and in every season, we find Daniel encountering the favor of God or possessing the carrying the favor of God. And he does this through three generations of leaders in the book of Daniel, through Nebi, old King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Through Belshazzar, whom God gave the finger, and to Darius, Right? who Daniel got thrown in the lion's den by that guy. <clears throat> First, chapter five, verse one. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for thousands of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought all the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the king and his nobles and wives and his concubines, they drank the wine and they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, and stone. Just say, uh-oh. Yeah. Because <laughs> what happens next is literally the finger of God, the hand of God and the finger goes and writes something on the wall. And you know when God gives you the finger, you better pay attention. <laughs> I wanted to do that for so long. Oh, so good. When the hand of God shows up, he tells them the law. Writes it in stone. Pay attention. God writes something on the wall, you better focus. 
So much so that old Belshi, he's knocking his knees like this. He's freaking out. I'd be freaking out. And they don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do. And so because of Daniel's reputation, they go summon him. And they bring him. And he shows up and he sees what's going on. He goes, uh-oh. <laughs> God gives him the interpretation of what's on the wall. And he says, pretty much, you don't want to hear what I have to say. Because what you just did um, was a major no-no. And there's pretty much no coming back from it. You're kind of done. And that's his interpretation is, your reign has ended. Not, a, not such a good day for Belshazzar. And so Daniel says this to him. And I want us to get this, just hear what he says. Because this is really one of my first points and one of the most important things we need to see is, he says, O king, the most high God, God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, not that he earned by himself, all the peoples and the nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those kings wanted to put to death, uh, the kings he wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those that he wanted to spare, he spared. Those that he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed uh, from his royal throne and stripped of the glory. He was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. This is where Nebuchadnezzar ends up on the ground eating the grass or the field and the hay. And I mean, he turns into like a wild animal, literally happens to the guy for years. And then finally he comes back to himself. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the most high God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. Until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? All right, so this is it. This is point number one. You and I need to know who is in charge. It's not your boss. It's not the governor, not the president, not the mayor, not the assembly. They're in authority, but who puts them there? God. Who's really in charge? God. And we got to keep that framework. We have to keep that perspective all the time. And when we understand that, we need to know this, that God gives favor to those he can trust. Okay, so God's in charge, but God also gives favor to those he can trust. How do you know God can trust you? Just think about it for a second. How do you know God can trust you? So what are you focusing on in your life? What are you focusing on? What are you seeking? So when we're seeking position, Rather than promotion, we get off balance. Okay, so when we go seek position, I'm after a, th a place I want to be in, a thing I want to do. I want people to respect me. I want people to think well of me, or I want to have this much money, or I want, you know, to be in this place, or whatever it is. When we start seeking after the position, and we get our eyes off of the promotion, because we're designed for promotion, right? We're not designed for a position. We're designed for favor. 
And I want you to really think about promotion in the context of favor because it's really what it is. The favor of God is what causes you to be promoted anywhere you're at, any place that you're at, right? So when we get our eyes off of the position and we start seeking on the promotion, we seek for favor from who? From God, because he's the one who sets people up. In all these contexts, when you read through the book of Daniel, you see Daniel's life. God is the one giving him special abilities. God is the one giving him favor. God is the one promoting him. God is the one moving him forward. Daniel's job in his flesh was to be faithful and to keep his eyes focused on the right things. And you and I have to keep our eyes, our hearts, our minds focused on the right things and get our eyes off of the natural positions, the natural positioning, and get it really centered on just the Holy Spirit, just God, just pleasing him. See, when I make God the one that I'm pleasing, everything comes into alignment. But when I do this, you see, one of the things that happens to us is that when we are reaching for a position, we start to get off balance. I want you to think about it like someone reaching up and then how to try grab something, <laughs> right? So when I'm doing this and I'm trying to get the thing I want and I get up out here, the worst thing that could really happen to me right now is I get it. Because how many know that responsibilities have weight? Okay, so I'm reaching out and then I catch the thing. I get it. I finally got the thing I wanted. And then I'm like, I didn't really know it was going to be this heavy. So how much weight do you think you can handle out here? <laughs> Versus how much weight could you handle right here? Okay. All right. So this is the thing. My job is not to reach for position. When I start to reach, then I create leverage and I overreach. My job is to rest in what God has entrusted to me. What, it, what is on my platform? If it's this rug here, this is my spot. I own this thing. Right? This is my, everything in here. I'm supposed to take care of this. And when I, if I can put my feet and keep my feet under it, underneath me, then I can carry hundreds of pounds. Out here, I might even be able to do 10 before I get pulled off balance and create a wreck, a disaster. You really don't want the thing you think you want sometimes, right? Come on. I remember when I was a young guy, I was going after this promotion. I was working in retail, and I was like, oh, man, did I ever want to get promoted? And then I got the thing I reached for, and it just about killed me. I mean, I was in charge of way more than what I was ready for. I mean, I learned a lot of good lessons crashing and burning, but it was no fun. I'm like, you know what? I just kind of want to do the thing you got me for right now. See, your promotion is when God is moving you toward his best for you. That's really your promotion is when he's moving you and expanding you into the best for you, 
not necessarily what you want. Now, there is an alignment between God giving you the desires of your heart when you're desire and you're pursuing him, and that desire is in alignment with the Lord. You're like, you know, man, I really feel this dream, this big dream that God wants to do with me, but where I'm at right now is right here. And there's things to get done right here. And if I want to get promoted, I want the favor of God, I want to move into the next thing, my job is to do the things that are right here. So when are you ready? When, when do you know God can trust you? Another thing we need to make sure we're doing is pursuing the favor of God rather than being the favorite. Pursuing the favor of God rather than trying to be the favorite. Now, I don't know about you, but so I grew up, you know, working in the oil field, and I don't know. I mean, probably happens in every world you're in, and uh, some guy is trying to be the favorite, and everybody has all these really colorful names for those guys, those people, right? <laughs> Most of them have this kisser phrase, a part of whatever it is, right? <laughs> Fill in the blanks, you know? <laughs> but they're trying to be the favorite. Oh man, I want to be the boss's favorite. So rather than pursuing favor, they're going after just pleasing the boss and being the favorite. Rather than really learning how to do the job or the, be, the thing they were really entrusted to, they're going after just trying to be the favorite. But here's the thing that happens in this scenario is that one, your peers, they have a totally different perspective of you when you're the favorite, don't they? And they make up all those cute little names for you when you're not around. Is that favor? Do you have the favor of God on your life? Did your influence grow or decrease in that scenario? It decreased because you're not being faithful. That's actually the opposite of faithfulness. You're abandoning your job to go try to be someone's favorite. Uh-oh. And what happens is, is your workload that you are designed for, you're not carrying, and they have to carry it for you, but then you're getting this special treatment. It's toxic to the world around you. Like, it's really bad for your work environment. Trust me, you don't want to do these. <laughs> Even the people below you won't respect you. But you know who really won't respect you? Your boss. Because he knows. Now, he or she has an ego and likes it to be stroked. Big surprise. So when you go around trying to be their favorite, they allow it. Except they kind of end up despising you being on their job because you really don't get your stuff done and everybody is complaining about you and it creates this bad environment for them. Come on. Is that the way God chose his special people to live? Man, is that, is that how God wants you to use your influence in the world you're at? Is that what he wants? It's not what he made you for. God made you to create an explosive environment in the kingdom. He made you to, to, to bring something special into the environment you're in. In fact, he made you to bring the favor of God everywhere you go. Just think about how awesome that is. Uh, to me, this is so fun. I just don't think there's anything more fun than serving him and, and doing the things he gave us to do. I just kind of freak out that he gave me something. <laughs> I was telling, telling my son, he just turned 21 on the 24th. 
freaking me out. <laughs> he turned 21. And I remember I was telling Joni, we we're talking about how when we brought him home from the hospital, I was, I, I was 18 years old. And I remember I was like, is this allowed? <laughs> I mean, they shouldn't let me do this. Like, I was thinking, like, the police or somebody should be, like, monitoring what's happening right now. You're giving this human to me. They're like, you made it, sir. It's your responsibility. I don't even know what I did. <laughs> I'm learning really quick. I have a responsibility, but God entrusted that little guy to me. And he grew into a 6'3 stud. God bless him. He's, a, he's awesome. Ladies, he's available if you're looking. Okay, time. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man, I should not have done that. He's going to kill me for that. Okay. You know, the promotion that you, you've got to love the responsibility he gives you. You just got to embrace it. You just got to fall in love with it and you let it grow you. And then you be a, just, just take care of it and just, just embrace it. But one of the things that's always crashing into the responsibilities he gave us is circumstances, right? It's just the world around us is like this tornado sometimes. It's just, just always picking up junk and trailers and cars and bicycles and just throwing it into our front lawn. You know, it's just like all the time. Oh. <sighs> My kids are like tornadoes. They're bringing problems. How do they do this? That started in their room. It's just everywhere. <laughs> right? Oh, man. I've got a lot of other ideas about that, but I'm not talking about them. Stuff that happens in hot tubs. And, mm. Okay. The circumstances around you, you can't control. I've seen some bad YouTube videos on that, okay? There's circumstances around you you can't control that are affecting your life, that are influencing your life. Like Daniel, we're going to talk about this next week, but it, that there is opposition. We're, I'm going to teach about that there's real opposition in our life, guys. Like, it's going to happen. And Daniel literally, because he's being faithful, gets thrown into the lion's den because he is faithful. But even in there, the worst of circumstances, things and animals wanting to eat him. He's faithful. He doesn't curse God. He doesn't curse his authority figures. He doesn't, he just says, God, I love you. If you're going to protect me, you're going to do it right now. Boom, he gets, and then he gets promoted. Again. So you cannot look at your circumstances. Your circumstances are not about whether you're doing good or not. So if you're doing good and the favor of God's on you, doesn't mean all the circumstances around you are good. It's about the favor of God in your life when you're going through them. See, because God leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's there. He, the shadow, I mean, there's, the, the tornadoes are going on. And it's about how you live in them. You hide? Or do you complain? Listen, the favor of God, no whiners allowed. No whiners allowed. You, you, you're not going to possess the favor of God being a whiner. 
You're whining, complaining about my circumstance and that circumstance and this circumstance, and everything in my circumstances are just so terrible. <laughs> nobody does enough for me. Nobody says enough to me. Nobody looks at me enough. Nobody gives me enough. Nobody does enough. Nobody cares enough. <laughs> Come on. It's <laughs> It's whining all the time. I'm, I'm a no whiner tolerance kind of guy. I'm sorry. If you need more compassion, you know, you need to talk to someone else. But I'm just not like the compassion guy when it comes to whining. It is so hard for me. And maybe it's the grace of God needs to come and help me. But, I mean, you come whining to me, I'm just going to be like, look. <laughs> Jesus loves you. I don't know what to say. Go to work. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no whiners allowed. Whiners don't get promoted, folks. You don't whine your way to influence. Right? Oh, you're like, oh my gosh. I love this employee. He's so great. He comes to me and whines to me all day long. <laughs> oh my word, it's the best thing. He shows me every problem. He tells me about all the things that are going wrong. And then he just keeps telling me and telling me and telling me. God bless it. I think I'm promoting that guy so he can tell more people. That is not what your boss says when you go away. <laughs> so here's the thing. How do you build? If you really want to be an influencer, you want to maximize your influence, you want to increase the favor of God in your life, how do you build? Where do you look? You looking up or are you looking down? Uh-oh. So, of course, we're always looking to the Father, God, okay? But here's the thing. If your job is cleaning services and there's a room that you're in charge of cleaning and God entrusted that responsibility to you and you're, you're always looking up and out to the next big thing you could be a part of because you're, like, really not thankful that someone entrusted to you the cleaning service job, so you're up and you're looking up and you're, well, I just want to be doing something different. And all the time, you're walking past everything that's your job to do that's on the ground. That you're supposed to pick up because your job's to clean. <laughs> this is very practical lifestyle in, in the kingdom, okay? This tension, this relationship between the spirit and the body. The, the body has to do things. Paul says, I outworked all the other apostles whom God also chose and was working in and through by the grace of God. But my body, I submitted it and worked harder than them all. Good night. That's something to say. I'm not saying that. I'm going to let Paul only say that. But I believe in this. And you have to fall in love with your thing, your space. If you want the favor of God to promote you and move you on, you've got to start loving the season you're in, the season he put you in. Where did he place you? He put you in this spot. He put you in this place. And you've got to start living in that season because here's the thing. God is like Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. I'm, I'm telling you, he is Mr. Miyagi, and he's going to Miyagi you all day long. Because here's the thing. If you haven't seen The Karate Kid, I grew up watching Karate Kid as like the, one of the most popular movies growing up. And so, I mean, 
This guy, Mr. Miyagi, he's like the sensei, the guy that knows everything about karate. And then he teaches this really skinny, runty, disobedient, rebellious kid how to do karate, which he goes in, he's like, yeah, I want to learn how to do karate. And so the guy gets him waxing the car, sanding the porch, painting the fence. And he's doing it all the time. He's like, this is what I signed up for. And he's all like, keep painting, keep sanding, keep waxing. And he's like getting all mad and frustrated. And, and he's, he's, you know, Miyagi is like making this kid do all this work that makes no sense and has no connection to him about karate. And then all of a sudden he gets so mad and then the guy starts punching at him and he's all like, paint the fence, wax on, wax off. He's doing all the moves, right? He's all like, oh my gosh. You just taught me karate by washing and fencing and doing all this stuff. Oh, my word. <laughs> he just got Miyagi'd. Listen, God is Miyagi-ing you all day long. And he's putting you in charge of stuff that you could have no clue would be setting you up for your future, your destiny, for the thing he wants to promote you into. It's giving you a foundation so that you can carry the load so that when you're not out here like this all the time, pretending to be something you never could be because you never stewarded the thing he gave you. Right? Come on. So let him do it. Don't be like the karate kid who's a knucklehead until he finally figures out, oh, you're teaching me real stuff. Let God let, embrace the process and let him move in you, but you have to learn how to do that in the season you're in and love the season you're in. You need to prepare and you need to push yourself. God made you to push yourself. This is that tension between the spirit and the body. God wants you to push your body and rest. What? It's crazy, but you're resting in the grace of God. I'm resting and not overreaching. See, when you go overreach to try to expand your influence on your own, that's when you start to stress. But when you own the space he gave you and you do it with total passion in your heart and, and you do it with total excellence, you can, his burden is light, his yoke is easy. But he wants you to prepare and to push yourself. Romans 12, 11 says this, never be lazy and work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Ooh, that kind of goes along with Corinthians uh, uh, 15, 10, right? That he's gonna work hard by the grace of God moving in through his life. It's like, I am pumped up to do the thing God gave me, and I'm serving him, not you. And that's why I do such a good job. Now, I'm not bragging on myself, but I kind of am. All right. I take this job out on this oil rig. It's a lonely place. There's hardly anybody on this thing. The whole rig is a disaster. And my job is to clean stuff. I was aroused about. <laughs> you guys know what that means. That's like a cool name for you clean and do everything no one else wants to do. And I go down, I'm like, 12-hour day. Nobody else watching me. Nobody monitoring me. The other guys are operators. This is like an oil rig that was like kind of, like barely producing. They're just trying to milk it. And so what do I do? God, I work for you. I go organize every closet. I mean, ridiculous places are so destroyed. Just, and nobody's working in these spaces. It doesn't matter if they're organized. Okay? Mopped every floor. I did it in one week. Something that no one had done for probably years, I did in one week because I was working as under the Lord. And then the guy takes me up in the thing and he goes, hey, you know what? I don't think it's going to work out. And he was teasing me. 
Because it goes, yeah, I think we want you. And so then he made me an offer to be, you know, have the company job instead of work for a contractor to give me a real oil field job. It was like a six-figure job that he offered me. And then I turned it down to come here and work it out of loop. <laughs> right? But I wasn't trying to get, I, I, my job was to do work. And no one was monitoring me. It was just between me and Jesus. How do you work when no one's around? I'm not going to sit around and be lazy and waste money. God's watching me. When you come into a situation and you bring that kind of favor into it, listen, it's like this saying that says, rising tides lift all boats. See, when you come in and God starts promoting you and he starts pushing favor through your life, all of a sudden the tide starts to lift and all the boats around you lift. Where Daniel was, all his homeboys around him, they all got promoted. When Solomon starts to walk in the favor of God early on, it's like there was so much money. Silver was like stuff they just like threw on the ground. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's when the favor of God is pouring out. What if we're all living this way? See, the power of God's church is when we're all doing it. We're all living this way. Oh, man. So God gives favor to those he can trust, huh? So how do you know when God can trust you? When you prove it. When you prove it. When you prove it through stewardship, you know he can trust you. When you take care of all the stuff in your space that you know is entrusted to you, and you do the best job you could do as unto the Lord, and you don't waste any time, energy in your body, and you outwork it, and you let the grace of God just go in and through you, and you just make it thrive. Whatever's your space, it ought to be the best space ever. And then you work down, not up. See, when you're pushing down, and you're working down, and you're looking down, and you're building a platform underneath yourself as, yourself as you're taking care of the responsibilities, and you're slowly like laying layers and layers of like wood planks underneath you that keep lifting you up and up and up as you build down. You're looking down. This is why I believe in youth ministry so much. It's because we're building down into the next generation. You're building down where you have influence. You're building down where you can do something. You can, you're not overreaching. Let's sow our lives, the seed of the kingdom, into the next generation, right? It's just why it makes so much sense to me. And we gotta be looking down, building down, trusting God up. God, you're the one who promotes, not your boss. See, when you get a shift in your thinking and your understanding, you actually believe what's happening in the kingdom and you know what's happening in the kingdom, you realize God's promoting me, not my boss. If God called you to be the governor of, the, uh, of Alaska, maybe someone here is called to be the governor of Alaska. Please, Jesus, please. For the sake of my PFD. Please. For, don't, will you go vote on April 4th too? There's an election coming up, you know that? They, they're, they're predicting the lowest turnout. That means you have the highest impact if you go. Show up and tell them what you want. Come on. Say, my pastor wants his PFD, please. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so does the worship pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Okay. Matthew, Jesus teaches in the book of Matthew. He gives five, two, and one talent to these individuals. And he says, go steward that. 
and he goes away. He goes away. He doesn't sit over them and manage them like, are you doing this right? You're doing that right? He goes away and says, I'm going to see what they're going to do. What's in here? What's in here? Because when your boss goes away, you see what's in here. He says, I'm going to see what they're going to do. One with five, takes that five, he's faithful with it. One with two, takes it, he's faithful with it. One with one, just buries it in the ground, does nothing. So the steward, the master, he comes back in and he goes, hey, this uh, thing you did with the one, not so good. I'm taking yours and I'm giving it to the one with the five. Who's going to be faithful with it? If you want something, God will entrust to those who are faithful more. But you have to be faithful with what he gave you. Jesus taught this parable. He taught this principle. We got we to gotta own it. You don't get to move on until you get this one. All right? You don't get to move on until you get this one. And you have to trust God in submission with your future. Because he's the one who promotes. So we call it be faithful with a little and he'll put you in charge of much. It's stewardship. When do you know you're ready to be promoted? When you've proven it. When you've proven it. Prove it. Prove it every day to the Lord. Say, God, you can trust me. You can trust me with my finances because I tithe. I give 10% to you. It's not mine. You, you, you want your business to prosper? You want, your, you want a promotion at work? You want your finances to increase? <laughs> if you're not tithing, good luck. It, it's not going to happen, guys. You, the favor of God is not going to be making it happening. If you make it happen, it's going to be because your own work, sweat, and toil, and it's going to be way less than what he could do. Just saying, I don't like to struggle. I want to walk in the favor of God. And when I know where I come from, I come from this space where Abraham promised, God promised Abraham, and I have access to those promises, those covenants that God gave him. They are alive today. If I do this, then I get this. If I give and I tithe and I give my 10% to God, then he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing on me I cannot contain. Promise, gonna happen. Don't do it, not gonna happen. It's math. It's gravity. Throw the ball up it comes down. Don't throw the ball up. It doesn't come down. It just does nothing. God's called you to behave, to work, to do, to go. Man, if you don't sow, if you don't lead, you don't use the gift, preaching, teaching, loving, ministry of helps, prophesying, words of knowledge. If you don't use those things he's given to you and the measure he's given you to now, he's not going to give you more. The favor is not going to come on you and increase. If you just go out and you live however you want unrighteously and go clubbing and drinking and smoking and doing and whatever, and the favor of God is not going to pour out on your life. You're going to struggle and you're going to reap what you sow in sin. And it's death. It's zero on the fun scale. There is a fun scale. I like to be on 10. Operating in the favor of God is 10. That's where it is. No matter what's going on around me, it's not because I'm being a joker. I don't want that to be happening. I want it to be because God is using me as light in this dark world and the favor of God is pouring out on my life and I'm expecting him to promote me because I'm the head and not the tail. Because I'm above and not beneath. Come on. The favor of God is on you. It's living in you. It wants to use you. Will you let him? Will you let him? Whew. 
man, God wants to move. He wants to move. If you want an increase in the favor of God, I'm just going to ask you, just lift your hands up right where you're at. Just, just stretch your hands up. I'm going to pray over you. You're like, I need a breakthrough. I want change. I want transition. I don't want to be where I'm at right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we're declaring breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough in Jesus' name. God, by your spirit, we're different. God, by your spirit, we're walking in character with godliness and holiness and righteousness, no longer compromising in the world. God, we break off sin, sickness, and death off of our life that's holding us back, and we declare just life, love, and liberty. God, and we just bless, God, everything that you're doing in our life. And we thank you for it. Forgive us for not liking the things you gave to us. God, we pray right now as we repent and ask you to forgive us that we would, we would love the things you've entrusted to us. We would love the season we're in and we would steward it with godliness. We'd steward it with passion and enthusiasm. And God, we would love who you made us to be. We're your masterpiece created in Christ Jesus, created in you to do good works you prepared in advance for us. Thank you, God, for doing that. God, send your favor. Just bless your people with your favor. God, I pray for a radical increase of your favor over your people. Just an exponential increase, 30, 60, 100 times what we can imagine God would pour out on us. And I pray that this week, th this city would be different. This city would be changed. Our co-workers and our businesses, God, everything would just be changed. It'd be different. God, we're believing you for radical, radical favor and increase. Whatever you have, whatever we can handle, whatever you can trust us with, we ask for it. And we want to work with you for it. By your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.